1: Hello and welcome to the Ramon Foster Show, brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market. He's Ramon in Hendersonville, Tennessee. I'm Dan Kovacevic in Pittsburgh. And, Moan, you have had thoughts over, well, in all the time we've been doing this show, about how long Mike Tomlin will stick around. We've brought the subject up a few times. We've had mixed dialogues about this because maybe there have Mm -hmm. been mixed signals
0: What about now? Where is he now? I still think he's cemented. Um, Is there a a level of, hey, in recent history, we hadn't gone deep into the playoffs. You're hanging around the pile, but nobody's actually diving in. And I think that does become somewhat of a concern. But I'll say this. I know that's something that he's striving to, to accomplish. It's not like it's one of those pass by, hey, well, yeah, I'm just doing the job. We're at 500 or, hey, we're, we have a winning season. I, I know more than anything, that probably irks him more than anything when it comes down to, to what his trajectory is, how he feel about his career, what that, you know, non-losing season means to him and the stereotype around it. Of I, I almost feel like <clears throat> he would have much rather had a below 500 season in the sense of just to be able to have the conversation about, all right, I'm still here even after. A five hundred below season. I don't know if he would have been let go this year simply because you know he. Oh no,
1: no, no way! He has a
0: strong history, and (laughs) let's be frank too. The Steelers don't operate like other organizations do. I mean, head coaches and and position changes are two totally different uh avenues we're speaking about as far as like coordinators and assistant coaches like the head coach stays the same because i think the philosophy is is really good when you come down to what coach tomlin has in front of you and has presented us with for years over a decade now dk Mm -hmm. this is and of course this is also the first time in his career where he's actually had to move past a franchise quarterback uh, do you think the Steelers is in a position to, you know, transition into a coach along with this change? I do say this with how he approaches these next few years with the young Kenny Pickett, with the relatively young team. I think I saw Cam Hayward uh, or who was a Cam Sutton saying, that, you know, he'd rather be in Pittsburgh and all those types of things. So you yeah. got guys getting older, you got decisions to be made at a few other positions. Um, I'll, I'll say this: I think. If he lets go of Matt Canada, the next guy will have to be a guy that springboards him up as far as production offensively. Because I think that's been one of our main sticking points when it comes down to our team. How can a Pittsburgh offense move forward or move at the same rate as a San Francisco as a Cincinnati, as a Buffalo, the dynamic aspect of making plays offensively hasn't been there the last few years. And I even say that at the, at the, at the tail end of where we were in uh, 26, well, 2017, 18, and 19.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't include 2017, but 17, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a pretty good offensive good, yeah. team. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't sell yourself short there. Those were some pretty great offensive teams. That was a 30 points a year team. Yeah, uh, I, I, I look at what's happened here over the last 72 hours with this team and with this head coach, mm-hmm. and the thing that jumps out to me more than anything is here's something people won't know. When you hear Mike Tomlin's press conferences throughout the year and you think to yourself or you get frustrated or whatever as a fan and you go, yeah. why aren't they asking broader, general questions about this, you know, not having won a playoff game in multiple years or such and such thing that extends over. He won't answer them. No, <laughs> he, he he's so into every single Sunday or every single next game that he'll just tell you, I'm not there. I'm not there. And well, you can't. You know this isn't waterboarding these press conferences. <laughs> I mean, you, you, he, he's only going to answer what he wants to answer, right?
0: Yeah.
1: However, there's one session a year, one, and it's this one. It's the one immediately after the season where he will acknowledge, uh, big topics, broader yeah. topics, and when it came up on uh, on uh, Monday. After uh, after the the day after the well, I was about to say the loss to Cleveland. They won. They won, they won the game. Completely. They yeah, got they eliminated. Did. Yeah. Uh, he was asked if he would carry the same competitiveness and the same fire that helped spark that seven and two finish into the off season to improve the team, and he answered with four total words: more so, increasingly so. Oh wow. That is this head coach telling you, I'm not going anywhere.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: anywhere. But I also think there's more to it, Moan. I think it's also this head coach telling you he likes what he sees.
0: Yeah, I, I, I say this. Anybody would. I almost bet DK, the next coach that he gets offensively, if he goes through with this firing of Matt Canada, will have to be an offensive guru. Will have to be a guy that understands, man. You got a young quarterback. You got weapons out of the wazoo. Yeah, you got to piece together some stuff as far as figuring out this offensive line. But you, you look at this as as an analyst of this game, as an expert DK that studied it. You'd be excited to walk into this offense, even if it's as young it is as it is. And I think that's the anybody. It it, it also scares me a little bit too with you going to get an offensive, very offensive-minded guy that he'll potentially ended up getting plucked uh, plucked for a head coaching job because that's the trend in the league. Defensive coaches go get really good offensive coordinators, and those offensive coordinators become head coaches because everybody wants what he's got. Uh, But I'm okay with that because this offense needs somebody that's going to grow Kenny. This offense needs somebody that's actually going to be able to fit Kenny into a mold in which it's really good for him to operate. And if at that point, and OC does move on to become a head coach, you at least have a baseline of what Kenny Pickett needs and how he's going to operate. This won't be a, hey, let's change the entire offense again for him. This is, hey, Kenny, what do you want to do the same way? We've kind of seen that when it came down to, you know, uh, Ty Haley to Coach Feekner. And 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 we do what the quarterback suggests, and Kenny's at a very fragile point right now to where that has to be answered. Where are you going to be able to uh, highlight Kenny Pickett and the rest of this offense even more moving forward?
1: When we come back, what actually did Mike Tomlin do to get this team out of the deep hole that they were in?
0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: Kevin Dotson had a great story the other day about Mike Tomlin. We've all heard by now. I've heard lots of variations of what was said, what was discussed, what was debated at the bye week when the Steelers were two and six. Most of what I heard moan was player to player. A lot of it was Najee Harris working with the O-line. But I had never heard this one until Kevin Dotson shared it over the weekend after the season ended. He said that after the Steelers got just massacred, really, in Philadelphia, yeah, and the record was 2-6, and six, the Tomlin had what was a heart-to-heart. That was a term that Dotson used with the entire team pretty much telling them, in Dotson's words, that they just weren't very good. Wow. Now, there are different ways for a head coach to say that to a group. You can say that you're not very good in terms of, oh, look at your record. But then there's a way to say it the way Chuck Knoll did many, many years ago, shortly after he came on board and said, you know, when this team is good someday, almost none of you will be here. And you can imagine, you can imagine the impact of a statement like that. Because now all of a sudden you're not just seeing it as, well, we all suck. Now you're seeing it as,
0: I suck. Whoa. Oh, man, that changes your mind, man. Uh, that's, That's some harsh reality right there. It's not just one of those, hey, we sucked for a game. It was in a cocky way, you guys suck. And if y'all don't change it around, I'm going to be here to see a good team. But y'all won't be able to see a good team here. <laughs> oh, wow. You, and you know what? As a player, when you when you put into a box with everybody else to be that, that's a bad place to be um, because you can't hide from it. You can't say, well, I'm getting mine. Offensively, who can be a guy that said at that point, well, shoot, I'm having a good one. You know, in, in a bad year, AB still had a good <laughs> receiving season, right? But when you put it the way it is, as young as this team is and how they kind of need to grow up together, that's some harsh reality. And truthfully, that's some harsh reality I think all sports can use in general, not just at the NFL level. I'm talking about college. I'm talking about high school. And just some parents probably need to hear that with their kids sometimes, too. You're, You're not that good. But you can work at it. And that's the thing, too. I tell you guys all the time, like, he'll say stuff. But if you right-minded, you receive the message a whole lot better. Like you can look at yourself and say at that point, you're two and six. No, you're not a good football team. You're two and six, and you lose bad. No, you're not a football team. But if you work a little bit harder, find ways around the stigma that I'm young or I got a lot of that p-word potential, then you fight out of that. Like. It's one thing, again, I'll say this just in this. It's one thing to start one game, right, DK? Mm-hmm. Anybody can come in and start one game. I've seen guys, of course, I'm learning more history about baseball, throw a no-hitter, and then they're out of the league in a year. Anybody can do that one time on a good night. But how can you stack game after game after game after game? And I think that's the point that he was trying to drive home, if you're right-minded.
1: More from Dotson. When he was saying it, he wasn't sugarcoating anything. Pretty much everybody needed that because we were kind of living in this fantasy of potential. But potential can hinder you just because you think this is where you're supposed to be. (laughs) These left
0: guards, what's with these left guards in this league? Huh? spoken so well. I can't lie. Left tackle get a whole lot of love, but the left guard is just as good when it comes down to mentally being engaged. You are 100% correct. I
1: want to read that last one again because it's so good. Actually, in life, we were kind of living in this fantasy of potential, but potential can hinder you just because you think this is where you're supposed to be. In other words, the Steelers could convince themselves, whether yeah. it was collectively or individually, it's okay to suck right now. This mm-hmm. is just where we are at this particular stage of evolution. Yep. yep. Guess what? It's not. You still need if you are where you are, yeah, and you're getting thrashed by the Bills or the Eagles or whoever. Yeah sooner rather than later, you're going to have to ascend rather than just think to yourself, this is okay. This is what was expected.
0: That's how you get into mediocrity. That's how you get into being okay with losing. That's that's how you get into a point to say, man, you know what? At least I'm getting paid. Like, that, that's tough. Then
1: there's that.
0: <laughs> but, you, but you know what, though, DK? That's mm. that's the portion of never settling. I think some people don't understand <laughs> the Mike Tomlin-isms that he used. Like, I don't think he says them just to, you know, spew words out. The Tomlin-isms that we've heard, you probably ask him, do you really live by that? And you only, you already know the answer to it too, though, DK, to where he says enough of those things of where it's almost law in a, cer- in a certain sense, right, with how he goes about that approach. But then it's also the business side of it too. Uh, he'll let you know, our game is football. Our business is winning. You've heard that one before, have you not?
1: A few times.
0: And, and, and because of that, I think with what he's telling them and what Dotson's kind of saying too, that's fine that y'all got potential. But the business of that potential means you got to transfer it into W's. And if you don't transfer it into W's, as you said, Chuck Knowles said, a lot of people won't be around to see what winning looks like.
1: No. Chuck could point over into the corner to number 75 and say, see that guy? <laughs> he's it. Okay, the rest of you, by the time Franco makes the immaculate reception in our very near-term future, will not be here. Okay, <laughs> it's just going to be 75 over there. That's it. Yeah,
0: but but that also goes into the mindset of what Pittsburgh is, though, too, DK. And I think that's the reason why you look at a game like the Raiders game on Franco night, you say, man, they're supposed to lose this game. They've had a bunch of everything that happens. But I also go back. To my second year in the league, when Marquise came in, and the transparency of our offensive line coach, Coach Coogs, at the time, just being transparent, now, I'm sure this probably came from. I ain't gonna take all the credit from Coach Coogs, but I'm sure they 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 have their their offensive meeting, coaches meetings, and there was that 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 conversation I said we had when he told all of us in the room, every single one of us, you guys are good, and I'm eye level for the people listening on on uh, on podcasts. And then he also said, that's good. That's a good place to be at in the spring. I love it. But then he raised his his hand above his head and said, but this is where Marquise is. And if y'all don't catch up, you won't be a part of this. And there were some guys in the room just breathing hard and (laughs) humping a little bit. You know, the teeth smacking and stuff like that. But I also say the transparency of that building from ownership all the way down, DK, has never really been an issue when it comes down to honesty, right? Is there some dirt around it? I'm sure, just like any business, right? Mm
1: -hmm. But the
0: transparency of what it takes to perform and win in Pittsburgh, your, your head coach that you have now embodies that. And as you can tell, as you took me through a history lesson with Chuck Knoll, it's been that way for a very long time.
1: It certainly began with Mr. Knoll. There's no question about that. When we come back, the only segment that matters. Hello and welcome back to the only segment that matters. That's brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where three expert chefs fine-tune every detail of every item so that every sub-burger, salad, wrap, drink, and app is crafted for craveability. Moan, can you do this one? Can you do this one off the top of your head?
0: <laughs> no, I'm going to let you finish it, baby. All
1: right. Order your favorite entry at the Get Go Cafe and Market today. Better believe, believe it. it. <laughs> Today's entry is an exceptionally enthusiastic one that comes our way from Fred in Virginia. And he says Hey, Moan, it's the offseason now for the Steelers, and my thoughts have turned to the draft. We've seen some questionable production from Deontay Johnson from time to time. Does this front office and coaching staff give thought in the coming months to dealing Johnson in a trade for a first round pick to both free up cap space and possibly land a better option for Pickett, such as maybe Jordan Addison? Ah. Jordan Addison. Why Addison? Did Addison. Yeah. Jordan Addison. Addison. That's Addison. just
0: the yinzer and you coming out. That's all it is. <laughs> uh, no, I don't see that being the case. Uh, I'm, I'm glad first to be wrong. Round pick, the yeah. first
1: round pick? No, you're not getting a first round pick for Deontay. No. He was a second round pick, and all he's done is downgrade himself since then.
0: Or, or it's the idea that you also have to trade his contract away. So there's, there's give and take in those type of negotiations. This isn't a a uh, Von Miller, you know, Aaron Donald type of trade here, or uh, the Burns kid out of uh, Charlotte where teams are willing to give up first rounders. I don't think that's the case. This one is one of those where you just let Kenny weapons stay the same. I don't, I don't see no reason to, to be in a position, try to, make a mass exodus just so we think we're going to get a new weapon down the line. That's not the case here. You have a very solid number one in the future and not who I think in George Pickens. I think Deontay roll, he's playing as a number two, or potentially trying to continue to fight for a number one role, I think that's fair. I think you get better competition that way. I think you get a guy that stays hungry if you keep Deontay on this roster. And you got to say this, too. Deontay has a name. He has a pro bowl under his belt also, however you believe that. And and you got to look at this and say to yourself, that's a weapon. It's hard to find sure guys in this league. What if you go get Jordan Addison and being back in Pittsburgh is not good for him? What if it's a situation to where... Him and George Pickens do the exact same thing. I think you got a tall guy on the outside potentially, but you got Deontay that can fit anywhere on this map. And it also comes down to production of of how you make plays for guys. I think that's fair to kind of assume that, look, they got to be in positions to make big plays for you by the offensive coordinator's scheme, but also their ability to finish plays too. Deontay's had some dropsies. He's had some running backwards stuff that happens. But I don't see scrapping him being a a mainstay in what happens this offseason. You know, every once in a while, Moan, we
1: are at, like, total cross. (laughs) It doesn't happen all that often. Okay, I'm here for it. I am the conductor of the train driving him out of town. (laughs) And I like him, okay? Yeah. I've never had an issue with Deontay. None of this is personal. Uh, I just – don't see a receiver who's progressing. And that concerns me. Um, I've seen the route running. Mm-hmm. I've seen the connection that he had with Ben Roethlisberger. And you yes. don't hear either of us, by the way, anybody who, who watches this regularly do a whole lot of comparing anybody to Ben, whatever. Okay. But Ben and Deontay had something. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I don't think that's been found yet between Kenny and Deontay. However, you mentioned the drops. I'll I'll qualify it further. Okay. Drops in big games. Okay. All I kept thinking Sunday was when was the last time this guy rose up in a big game or in a big situation? Okay, you don't end the season with a goose egg under touchdowns if you're coming through when you need to. Okay. 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 I mean, that that's a real problem for me. The running backward thing, I, you know, I'm almost tempted to blame that on the coaches more than I am on the player because <laughs> at some <laughs> point somebody just tell them, just knock it off, man.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's so, not working.
1: You're not A.B. A.B. No. could do that.
0: Yeah, this is true. Uh, but this is also a different conversation, too. We speak about his relationship with Ben versus his relationship with Kenny, too. You look at what you say with, with Deontay. And what's the difference between him and – between Deontay and Ben and Deontay and Mitch and also uh, 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 Kenny Pickett is Mm -hmm. this, volume. The volume is not there. It's not the same though, DK. But, But but,
1: uh, Moan, he had 10 targets and two catches Sunday. But 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 That's
0: volume of targets. But there's also the aspect that you knew Ben was forever going to come back to Deontay too. Deontay knew he was the sole – he was a sole benefactor of everything that, that was coming out of Ben Roethlisberger's arm and shoulder. I think that that can not be understated in that Kenny's got to grow into that role too. And, again, I've always said this too. The mindset of that rookie quarterback until he gets uh, established is to try to please everybody, and that's actually a detriment to me. I think he's going to this next year, and I told you, he walks in with a, a, a symbolic key set tagged onto his pants or his shorts, workout shorts, every (laughs) single day with the string, the janitor string that goes with it, right? And he pretty much says, I got the keys to this franchise. Y'all going to follow me and do as I say. And if you're open, I got you. If it's for you, I make it for you. And if not, just hold off and just let me learn and cook even more. That's where I'm at with the comparison from one to the other. Not saying you're wrong. I get that. But there is a level of, of volume that Ben was able to give to a guy like him uh, that I don't think it was necessarily good this year. Well, bringing our man Fred
1: back to Earth, you're not. You there's only so many trades you can make with the Bears, okay? <laughs> you get a second rounder for Claypool, and then it slides up magically to become the 32nd pick. Um, no, okay, yeah. those don't happen. Not everyone is that dumb, man. and the Bears were that dumb, and the Steelers knew it at the time. And to their credit, they didn't even. Link. They were like, wait, you want. Sure. Yeah. Well, hang on. We need about. We need about a day or so to think. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm- yeah. We're going to do that. Yeah. Forget so, the day.
0: So we get a 17 and a 32. It's if a the draft order is correct. It's
1: a 17. Here's the way I've been thinking of it. It's a 17, a 32 and a 49. So wow. there's three picks in the top 50 in addition to coming off of a nine win season.
0: Also okay. plan and giving up a player you didn't want. And also plan a third place schedule next year. Who's to say how good those teams are gonna be next year, DK? Yeah, that part's that's always rough. That's that's always rough, but I say that going into this one. Omar, you did your thing on this one.
1: This was I don't know. I'm not even giving Omar credit for this. I, I could have pulled people off the street <laughs> to make it wait, clay for a second? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I, I think to go to Fred's point about Jordan Addison because he's going to come up an awful lot because 100%. the people here who follow Pitt and it's certainly not the majority of the city, but the, the people who do follow Pitt got to appreciate the connection that Kenny and Jordan had, and it was it was something. I mean, when you're talking about a Heisman finalist and a Bolletnikov winner, that's that's something that's pretty special.
0: That's too much of a fairy tale, though, DK.
1: Okay, as if all the rest of this hasn't been.
0: I know, but that, that, that uh, boy, I love to see it work. If it happens at 32, heck, who's I'm, to say what Jordan Addison's going to be at? What if it happens at 17? What if it happens? Well, I think you need a D tackle at that position, yeah, a linebacker. Know,
1: you know, we all do this before yeah, every draft. We, we all go position this, position that, position, and yet you know that the people in the room, for the most part, aren't doing that. They aren't because if they get to seventeen and there isn't an offensive tackle that they like and there isn't an inside linebacker that they like, but they're looking at Jordan Addison. There, they can find room on the best roster for him.
0: Available, yeah.
1: You go at best available, and you go with also. And one thing, one other thing we've seen about the Steelers, and the head coach reminded me of this personally, just a couple of uh, weeks ago, they really value knowing what that person next door is all about it lessens the amount of internal study and discussion you know that has to go on they've been very open about that yeah they 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 were that way regarding James Connor and they were that way regarding Kenny
0: yeah i i i guess you hold some stock right there ma'am uh we're here, actually. We're, we're here in the world of draft talk. And by you the way, I love I was, it. You I love do. it. As
1: you just, you're, the, you're feeling that segue. I, I do. <laughs>
0: and, and by the way, Jordan Addison, six foot, round 175. This year at USC, he had 59 receptions for 875 yards and eight oh, touchdowns. He's a player. Oh, a we player. knew that.
1: He's a player. He's going to be a player the moment he sets foot on an NFL field. Facts. I'll give you that. Let's do it again tomorrow, Moan. Now that we get everyone all excited with draft talk. Yeah, I'm here for this.